is White Sox Weekly, your two-hour all-access pass to everything White Sox. And it's pretty deep out and left, and this ball is gone. How about that? How about that timing? <laughs> this presentation of the ESPN 1000 Chicago White Sox Network is brought to you by Wintrust Bank and Mazda of Orland Park. Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. So welcome in to White Sox Weekly, June 12, 2021. White Sox sit in first place in the American League Central. They are 39-24. and 24. They have won six of their last ten. They've won two in a row. Their run differential is 90. They have scored 90 more runs than they have allowed. If you look through the rest of the American League Central, there ain't a single team with a positive run differential, much less anybody close to the White Sox. All that to say, there's been a lot of good so far for the White Sox in 39 wins and 24 losses. There have been some bad things. Injuries have mounted up to key players in big-time positions, guys that expect to be, and, and White Sox fans expect to be in this thing for the long haul. No Aloy Jimenez. No Luis Robert. And of course, the big news just at the end of last week, this past week, Nick Madrigal is going to be shut down for quite some time and may miss the rest of the season with a hamstring injury. It's been some bad news, no doubt about it. The headlines from the White Sox have centered around injuries so far this year. But there have been pretty incredible performances from a handful, no, check that, from about 29 other players that have contributed to the White Sox being in first place and having the largest division lead in all of baseball, albeit by a half game over uh, two division chases in the National League. But four and a half is the widest margin of any team in baseball. We're going to talk a lot about where the White Sox sit now and where they're going to go over the next two months as we approach Major League Baseball's trade deadline. We're going to highlight some awesome performances from a handful of White Sox players. We're going to look for places where the team can get, perhaps, just a little bit better. We're going to do it all with you. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. You've got White Sox Weekly. And I I want to get things started, I, I hope, on the right foot. This is going to be this show, and I I think for the next two months of White Sox Weekly, because of where this team is and what time of year it is, and the injuries that have, you know, kind of cropped up all over the place in Major League Baseball. It's not just the White Sox, but the next two months, I think, for us, you and me, are going to be some real collaborative shows. At least that's what I hope. We're going to put a little bit on a little bit of it on you. 312-332-3776. Today is the first day of who do you want the White Sox to go get season. I know. It's a little bit dangerous to open the season this soon. Usually permits have to be granted. Uh, seasonality has to come through. you got to have a system of checks and balances in place before you open up. Hey, who do you want to go get? But I'm doing it right here and now. I'm doing it for a whole bunch of reasons. But mostly it's because I trust you. I do have a couple of rules, though, here on White Sox Weekly. As we begin, who do you want the White Sox to go out and get? I ask for two things. One is, have a name. 
I want to know who you want the White Sox to go get. I want to know who you think makes this team the kind of contender that can not just win the AL Central, which I think the White Sox are poised to do, and I think a lot of White Sox fans, I think a lot of baseball luminaries think the same way, and I wouldn't put myself in that category, but there are others that do. And you'll hear from some, from some on today's show. But I ask that you have a name, and I ask that you have a why. That's it. Those are the only two rules. As we start, who do you want the White Sox to go out and get season? Position is good. That's a start. I would love a name. A why is crucial. Sometimes in the post-game show, we've, we've got calls of just, hey, what if, and this, that, and the other thing. I, I get it. And I don't, I'm not necessarily saying that you got to have a full-baked trade package all set and ready to roll. I don't, you know, I'm not asking you to go through the top 90, the White Sox farm system, and then flush out a couple of salaries and make sure everything matches up with another team. I'll do that kind of legwork. All I need is a name and a why. 312-332-3776. That's going to be the focus of the show today. And we'll get into some of the particulars and, and the how the White Sox can maneuver themselves as you get closer and closer to the trade deadline and Rick Hahn and the front office looks to kind of, I don't know, bring together and, and help coalesce some of the disparate parts of this roster that have had to contribute and, and really have contributed in ways and, and means that, they've, that you didn't expect coming into this season. I mean, you look at a ball game like last night, and maybe this is a good place to start. Look at a ball game like last night. You could highlight the performance of Lucas Giolito throwing a quality start, giving up just the two solo shots. Or Liam Hendricks, even though he blows the save, is able to get things back together, keep the White Sox in the ball game, keep the Tigers from getting the lead, or winning the game there in the bottom of the bottom of the inning, the ninth. You could look at Aaron Bummer finding his stuff out, throwing a bunch of sliders and looking good there. But the dude that contributed a ton in ways that don't necessarily show up on the scoreboard was Danny Mendick. Danny Mendick made a diving play behind second base for the last out of the inning. Danny Mendick made a terrific slide into home to score the White Sox run of the game. The sack fly, the one, the go-ahead run, 5-4, to four, the win. Danny Mendick had an RBI single? I mean, you didn't expect. Danny Mendick wasn't on this roster when the season opened. And yet, because of a handful of injuries and because of the nature of baseball, you know, knowing that it's never going to be 26 guys that get you through the season, knowing that it's never going to be the same five in the rotation, and it's never going to be the same 10 or 12 or 13 or 14, depending on where we're going with the rosters in the, in the bullpen. It's just not going to be that way. The White Sox, I think, for the first time in, in a while, not only have the star power that it takes to go ahead and win a division, but also some of the depth that's necessary to win that extra ball game in each week. And I that's crucial stuff. I think, if anything, over the last five, six seasons or so, we've learned some lessons in baseball. The game has changed, no doubt about it. In some ways, good. In some ways, not so, not so aesthetically pleasing. But what we've learned as players optimize their swings and 
pitchers throw harder than ever and breaking stuff is ungodly. I mean, the whole game right now feels like the Crash Davis speech on the bus to a bunch of Durham Bulls, right? They throw ungodly breaking stuff in the show. They, you know, all the sliders that explode, all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's how it feels right now. But really, when you look at what it takes to win, I think we found out that you need a lot of depth. Obviously, you got to have stars. And you got to have some modicum of health, right? No team is established enough, or deep enough, I should say, to go through a whole host of injuries and then still come out and win a division. Still come out and maybe take a wild card and win a series, something like that. I think, too... You know, as we get into the who do you want kind of conversations and who should the White Sox go get, I think it's important to mention this. And we'll hear from Rick Hahn after a break. I want to open with a couple of phone calls. Bob and Mike, you guys are coming up here in a second. There's no need for the White Sox right now to get desperate. So as you sit there and think, oh, you got to have a second baseman, or oh, you need a corner outfielder, or boy, you need some sort of you need some sort of platoon mate for Adam Engel in second center, rather. While those may be true, and those things could help a ball club, or maybe you want a right-handed reliever, I don't know. There's no need for the White Sox to deal out of panic, and they won't. There's no need for the White Sox to feel desperate right now, and they don't. This is a team that is, I think, by far the best in its division right now, and that's without three top players. This is a team that, that I think... You look around the American League, and with the exception, I mean, are they as good as Tampa Bay top to bottom right now? With Aloy, Luis, and Nick Madrigal out? No, probably not. Can they compete with the Rays without those three guys? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think they can. I think the pitching's a big part of that. You know the same thing with Boston? You know, I know they've had their issues. They've got a couple of guys in that lineup that bounce up and down in terms of production. A couple of guys in that rotation, up and down in production. Really interested to see Houston next week. Really interested to see the Astros up close and personal when the White Sox go on the road to play the Astros. That's a four-game series all on the road. That'll be a really good one. It'll feel, I think, that series will feel a lot like the Blue Jays coming into town. That was, you know, after a couple of weeks of central play. And then you had that series with the Cardinals as well, which the White Sox, I think, you know, played really well in, or, or fairly well in. I think that Houston series is going to feel a lot like that. But let's put it this way first. I don't think the White Sox should be desperate. Does that mean they shouldn't swing big? Nope. Does that mean they shouldn't play at the, you know, the quote-unquote the big boy table if the asking price is right? No, I don't think so. I think the White Sox are actually in control of a lot more than many have told you heading into this deadline. And I've been saying this for a handful of years. When I look at you know, teams that are in the Sox position right now, two months out from Major League Baseball's trade deadline, July 30th this year, moved up so they can finish things on the weekday. I think they're in, I think they're in a driver's seat. Not the driver's seat necessarily. Nobody really is. But I think they're in a position of control. Set out to the phone line, 312-332-3776. This is the beginning of Who Do You Want season. I have two rules. Please try and follow them the best you can. 
You don't have to put together trade packages. You don't have to even out salaries. You don't even have to know the terms of control. I can do the legwork for you. What I do really want is a name from you and a why. That's what we're looking for here over the next two months of White Sox Weeklies. Head out to the phone line. Opening the season. Our first call of the season. No pressure. It's Bob and Wheaton. What's up, Bob? Hey. Um, I pick Chris Bryant because I think he's got the bat we need, and I think he's got the versatility that we need. And he can play all three out, uh, at least two outfield spots, third base, second base, wherever you really needed him. Um, and we wouldn't have to give up too much. I, I actually would trade Eloy and maybe a first-round pick to get Chris Bryant, provided we could sign him. Because I don't think the Cubs are going to be able to sign provided you all sign. three of their stars. Sure. Bob, appreciate the phone call, man couple of things here. couple of things here. I don't know that the Cubs are dealing Chris Bryant yet. And if, if I were them, you know, if this, is, if this was the, the other show, I would say of the, you know, they've got a handful of free agents. Bryant's the guy I want. Bryant's the guy I want to keep around. He's putting together an MVP quality season over in the National League. And I think the price tag, if they did want to move on from Brian, is big. And I think that gets to our next topic of conversation, right? Kind of the next thing down the line here. While the White Sox, I think, are in a really good position, knowing that these injuries have happened and that you've got a roster that can support you for a couple of weeks here, up until you really need to make a move, up until you kind of suss out what the marketplace looks like and... And there's one other issue here, too, that, that's crucial for the White Sox as you get closer and closer to the, the full-on who-do-you-want season. We'll get to that after the break. But there's another issue here that, that I think needs to get, if not resolved, then a little bit clearer. Tell you what that is when we come back. We'll take a couple more phone calls, too. Mike, you're up first. Larry, you're in the second spot in the lineup. This is White Sox Weekly. And a reminder, White Sox fans, we are thrilled. And I, I mean this, too. I am as well. Thrilled to announce that Guaranteed Rate Field can officially welcome all of its fans back at 100% capacity. We thank you for your continued support and loyalty. Single-game tickets go on sale June 15th. That's three days from now. Secure your spot and catch all the action at home. To purchase your tickets, visit WhiteSox.com. We're back in just a couple. Mike, Larry, hang on the line. You guys are up next. It's trade season. It's White Sox Weekly. This is the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. This is White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. You can join us on Wednesday, June 16th as the White Sox take on the Tigers at 1.10 p.m. The first 10,000 fans will receive a retro Southpaw T-shirt designed by local artist at JoeyD76. I have seen the T-shirt. I, you don't want me to describe it to you. That would just go poorly. Uh, but they're awesome. They're really, really cool. You should check it out. I think I said June 16th. What I meant was July 16th. I think that's right. No, June 16th. My mistake. A million apologies. A million a million apologies. All right. Here's the plan for White Sox Weekly today. You know what time it is. The White Sox have some injuries. They're on top of the division. We're well into June now. We're getting very close 
to trade deadline rumors, conversations, talks, phone calls, all of them becoming much more serious. The deadline is July 30th. Now, contenders make moves. Big-time teams, teams that want to win a World Series, they bring in good ballplayers. It's what happens in this league, and that's why we're talking about you know, what's next for the White Sox right now. Injuries have a big thing to do with it as well. Aloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, and Nick Madrigal all not available for the White Sox for the foreseeable future. Although, heard from Rick Hahn just the other day when Nick Madrigal went down, and the, the next big piece of this, and what may determine just how big a, a piece the White Sox want to or need to go get, has to do with the injury status of Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's a pretty easy assumption. The White Sox get great reports from Aloy Jimenez or Luis Robert over the next couple of weeks, call it two, maybe three, and they think either one of those guys, really either one of those guys could come back and be, you know, toward 100% by the time, you know, shoot, by the time there's three weeks left of the season. Then you go, okay, I don't need the biggest name out there. I need a guy to get me through. I don't need to go hunting for... I don't know, Trevor Story or something like that. I, I, need, I need a guy to hold a position, to do a specific job. You can shop for more of a specialist and thereby protect more of your minor league resources, more of your prospect resources. Now, I don't know what those health reports are going to look like or when they're going to get them. But I do think that it would be prudent. It would make a lot of sense for the White Sox to hold out on making any kind of, you know, really big and sizable move. You know, if, if there's a guy that's DFA'd, if there's a waiver claim kind of thing that the White Sox are looking at making, that's one thing. But in terms of really trading and moving assets, that's another. Head out to the phone lines now. Remember, uh, two rules for who do you want the White Sox to go get season. I would love if you could provide a name and a why. I'll do the legwork on the contract stuff and what would make it fit and the here two fours and the what have yous. Name and a why from you would be wonderful. In Byron, it's Mike. What's up, Mike? Hey, Connor. Uh, I got Jonathan Shoup, uh, second baseman, Detroit Tigers. I think he provides the bat that is going to be missing that Nick Madrigal provided. I don't think Mendek is the answer. Uh, he's uh, struggling at the plate. And I don't think that... Uh, White Sox have anybody in the system for second base. Um, I have a scenario. Uh, I'll throw it out there for you. Just moving Mankata back to second yeah. and bringing up Jake Berger. Yeah, I tell you what. Yeah. Mike, I'm not a fan of that, and I'll tell you why. Okay. You want, well, we'll get to Scope in a second. I appreciate the phone call, man. I think Jonathan Scope's a really interesting ball player. I think he's, I mean, he's having a, a really nice 2021. He's hitting 265. He's slugging 442. He could play a first. He could play a second. I, I think he could probably play a little outfield for you, too, if you wanted him. I know it's been a while, but maybe. All right, so let's just stick to second and first and uh, maybe a little other infield spot, maybe third. I We had a lot of White Sox fans on the postgame show after the, the game where Nick Madrigal went down and on Twitter throwing out the idea of Yohan Mankata moving back to second base. And while I understand asking about it, I am not a fan, and I'll tell you why. First and foremost, I don't think Yohan liked playing second base all that much. And that matters 
And it's not because, of, oh, the modern-day players, you got to give them what you like and all that nonsense. No, it's none of that. It's because you have guys that can handle second base. Danny Mendick was a gold-glove finalist at second base. Did you see the play he made last night and the ball game? Good Lord. It's a diving play where he's shifted kind of behind second base, you know, over to the left side, but he makes the play behind the bag at second, gets up. It's a rocket of a ground ball. The kid knocks it down, doesn't get it in the mitt, and that's all just because he had to travel as far as he did, lay out to go stop it, manages to corral the thing, and then throws a seed over to Abreu at first to get the out. Second base. It's a fairly easy position. I mean, like, relatively speaking, could I go do it? Absolutely not. I'd, I'd, I'd probably get killed. But relatively speaking, it's an easy place to go play defensively. When you can get gold glove caliber play out there, makes your infield dangerous, like a weapon against other teams. It lets you shift to the degree you're seeing everybody in baseball do it right now. You just got to keep your weight with the bat, and I'm good with it, considering what everyone else is, is doing offensively for the White Sox. Juan Mancata is playing gold glove level third base. Third base is so much harder. It's so much harder than second base. It's all quick reactions. It's all dangerous stuff. You have to make decisions. You got to come in on bunts. It's so much harder. So just defensively, let's just talk about the defensive spectrum right now. I don't want to move that guy off third to replace him with a guy, whoever it is, at third base that isn't as good. And I promise you that unless you're going to go get guys that you'd have to give up a whole system for, you're not getting anyone in a, in a trade, a theoretical trade, as good as Yohan Mankata at third base defensively. Now let's talk offense. If you think for a hot second that moving him off of his preferred and best position affects the bat at all, then you don't do it. Mankata's having an MVP-type year. It's been really big. Yeah, there are strikeouts, and that happens, but that's part of Yohan Mankata's game. Let's head back out to the phone lines. We got one more here before we take a break. It's, these, are your, these are your calls all day long, really, for the next two months. White Sox Weekly is, is your show. It really, it truly always is, and we love having you. Uh, but 312-332-3776, that's the phone number. In Naperville, it's Larry. What's up, Larry? Hey, how are you? Doing well. Good show. Thanks, man. You know, I got a proposal to make up for one of Han's biggest mistakes in the offseason a year and a half ago. He had a chance to get Nick Castellanos, and he chose to spend money on Grandal when he had an all-star catcher already and a better defensive catcher. Okay, you made the mistake. Hey, Larry, hold on one second. I'm not, I'm not cutting you off. I just want to make sure we're talking about the same things. So you, you're saying that there was no need to go get Grandall. He could have just stayed with James McCann and spent money Absolutely. elsewhere? Absolutely. I mean, hindsight's right, now, 20 but McCann's not even catching for the Mets right now. Wait a second. The man was an all-star. Did you watch the games last year? Well, Do yeah, man. Any comparison? Do you see any comparison in the defensive abilities to McCann and Grandal? Grandal is 
horrible. Yeah, but he's still one of the best framers in baseball. And you know what? This framing non- is nonsense. It's not. I want a guy no, Larry. Not- no, Larry. Okay, it's not okay. nonsense. Let's let's move on to a different topic. Well, I mean, Nick, Nick if you want to, but we do have to agree that framing isn't nonsense. It does matter. Well, wait a second. You're assuming that nobody else can frame. That's what makes me crazy when you say that. You're assuming that James McCann can't frame. James McCann, how about blocking balls? No, 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 no. I've, I've never said that James McCann can't frame. I think he got a lot better at that. I'm saying that Yasmani Grandal over his career. Million. I'm sorry? Why did the Mets give him $50 million? Well, for because nothing? so that they didn't have to pay JT Real Muto prices and drove things up for the Phillies. Wait, 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 wait. They could have got all kinds of catchers. They chose to spend a lot of money on James McCann. They, they did? How's it working out for them? I, they're in first place, so I think they might think fine. McCann right now is a 239, 306, 387. That's 50 points better than our boy Grandal. 50 points at what? He's got a 306 on base. Grandal's is over okay. four. You know what? Maybe you ought to listen to Ozzy Dean talk about Grandal. He's not paid to walk. Yet he is, though. Okay, if you think Grandal is a real asset to this team, you have your opinion. I don't. And I don't think a lot of people do. I mean, okay. I how but can I want to give you last like two weeks. I, how, I no, want to. No, no. Oh my god! Oh my god! We've played sixty-three games, and you're going to tell me about the last seven? The the ones I mean, where he was healthy. Yeah. Is that the ones where he was healthy? Talk, if he if he may hit the lowest average for a catcher in baseball history. So, okay, okay, we can agree to disagree on that, please. I want to tell you why we need to go get Nick Cassianos. Are, are we have yet to solve in a few years any kind of a right field stick? Sure. Nick Castellanos, this Castellanos will, can opt out in Cincinnati, and he will this season. Yeah, he, I would imagine. I don't know right. that they're. I don't think their asking price is going to be, believe it or not, over the top. They want something good for him, probably. But can you imagine him? Who, by the way, I don't want to hear any more about. We need a left. Handed hitter in right field. Miss Miss Castellanos can hit lefties, righties, anybody. He can hit. Yeah, I, I stand you and appreciate the call, Larry. I'm just I'm up against uh, the, the one o'clock break here, so I got to let you go. I just Nick Castellanos would be great. He's very expensive, and he's absolutely going to cost you a crochet adjacent guy. Nick Castellanos leads the National League and hits. Average, on-base, slugging, OPS, and total bases. You can't tell me that that guy won't cost you a lot. I'm not, listen, who do you want the Sox to go get is not out here for you to just, like, call and give names and then me shoot things down. That's not what this is about. I regret that that call particularly kind of went that way. Lair and I disagree on the value of Yasmani Grandal. Nick Castellanos is going to cost a lot if the Reds want to move him. And quite frankly, I don't know what the Reds are thinking about doing. And I don't think many teams do. I, I think they're a little bit of an anathema as we approach the deadline. Maybe things become clearer as they go. I don't, I, I don't know. If you've got a love affair with Nick Castellanos, I can hardly blame you. The guy rakes. He's a great ball player. And he's much better in the outfield than he had been over the last couple of years. Appreciate the phone call, Lair. We'll get back to him when we come back. Uh, Matt, you'll be up first. Got to take a quick break. Sox fans, if you checked out the new podcast with Len Casper and Jason Benetti, you should. It's called Sox Degrees. 
It's great. I listened to the first one with Rick Hahn. It was an awesome conversation between the three of them. It's called Sox Degrees Love. Great guests all season long. Some close to the team, some six degrees away. New episodes drop every Monday. Subscribe and follow on Apple and Spotify. Real quick here, 10 for Station ID. We'll get back to the phones when we come back from a quick break. It's White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. Sox and Tigers coming up at 310 this afternoon. Dylan Cease, the man who owns Detroit, is going to work for the White Sox. And it'll be Jose Urania. He's actually pitched fairly well for the Tigers against the White Sox in uh, two chances so, so far this year. Fairly well. Not great, but fairly well. Uh, definitely in his first start. A couple of news and notes. A couple of news and notes. That's not conjugated correctly. Here's some news. And some notes from the White Sox this afternoon. Uh, I've got the lineups. Let me read through those real quick. And then there's a tweet from James Feegan as Tony La Russa has spoken to reporters already. Uh, here's the Sox lineup against the Tigers today. Tim Anderson is going to lead off at short. Brian Goodwin sees his first MLB action of the year. He's going to bat two and play center. Yasmani Grandal is going to bat third. Jose Abreu bats four, playing first. Uh, Grandal's catching by the way. You mean Mercedes DH is he bats five. Adam Eaton is in right field. He's batting six. Jake Lamb is in left batting seven. Leori Garcia is going to play third. Yohan Mankata gets the day off. Danny Mendick playing second base. The note from James Feagan uh, per Tony La Russa, day off for Tim Anderson and Leori Garcia coming tomorrow. Yohan Mankata will return. Jose Breu will DH on Sunday. LaRusa mentioned before the White Sox took off for Detroit that he was eyeing this series up as a chance to get some of the regulars, some of the big guns, a little bit of a rest. And I get it, man. You 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 got to win the game in front of you. But sometimes, and, and Rick Hahn mentioned this in the conversation with uh, Len Casper and Jason Benetti on the Sox Degrees podcast, which you should all go listen to. Sometimes in baseball, because the season is so long, you got to lose the battle to win the war. And keeping those players healthy, especially given the injury situation the White Sox are in, you know, the reason we're having a conversation we're having on White Sox Weekly today, you've got to keep Yohan Moncada healthy. You have to keep Tim Anderson healthy. You have to keep Jose Abreu healthy and away from Hunter Dozier. You, those, these things are necessary now. Crucial in a way that they, they might not have been before. So a chance against the Tigers who, you know, aren't as good as the next team you're going to get, Tampa Bay Rays. They're not as good as the team you're going to get after that, the Houston Astros. They're just not. So maybe you pick some times here to rest some players. I completely get it. A little bit of a different-looking lineup today. I, I like Yasmani Grandal out of the third spot. It's interesting, especially with a couple of days off for some prime players. Interestingly enough, over his last 10, Yasmani Grandal is hitting 222 with a 432 on base and slugging 667. Kind of a, well, it's a little extra power, but it's kind of that Grandal line, right? A lower batting average than probably some people like, a very high on base percentage, um, and some good slug. It's been nice for Yasmani Grandal, really has over the last couple. It's been good to see him healthy, and I think he's been catching better as well because of it. Let's head out to the phone lines. We're talking about who you want. When two rules, remember, here as the season has opened. A name and a why. I'll do the legwork best I can, but I need a name and a why from you. In Evanston, 
It's Mike. Mike, you're on White Sox Weekly. Hello. You guys do a great job. Hey, uh, thanks, Mike. Everybody, even the guy who picks up the phone, he answers terrific. Oh, uh, Eric's terrific. He he uses terrific. yeah, he's terrific. Just great. He's yeah. knowledgeable, terrific. Very, he knows very, how to work phones. Great. He went to school for phones. A lot of people don't know that. He went to school what? He went to school for phones. He's got degrees in, oh, in both yeah, in both good. rotary phones and digital phones. Oh my god! Yeah, he's very good. I know. Uh, all right, to the point. Name and the why. I mean. Castellanos, I was disappointed they didn't move harder on him, and they were comfortable with Mazzara to begin with. That put me out. I, and he signs for $60 billion. He's good for four years, and he's only going to be 32 when the contract ends. So if you're thinking of going big, you need a bat. You don't need depth. You need a big bat. That's what they're missing. That's what you need. Maybe you could package something up with that Amir Garrett if you wanted to go really big. If Cincinnati's out of it, they may not so, be out of it. Yeah, they're only five games out, Mike. They're five games yeah, out of the division and five games out of the wild card. So I would imagine Cincinnati's willing to stick in it for a little Hunter, while what about, what about Hanniger on Seattle? What kind of contract has he got? Mitch Hanniger. You know, let me look up Mitch Hanniger. I've been a longtime admirer of Mitch Hanniger. Uh, he, yeah, he can. Can he stay healthy is another question altogether. I guess that's a fair question of anybody in baseball right now. But old Mitch Hanniger's hitting two fifty eight with a three oh five on base and a five twenty slugging percentage. That's that's kind of Mitch Hanniger, right? He'll get hot for a little while. He'll always keep right. the slugging up for you. Um, I'm I'm a fan. He is signed through 21. He's ARB eligible next season and becomes a free agent in 23. So a real similar situation contractually. As a, as a guy like Adam Frazier. I like Mitch Hanniger. Um, Jerry Depoto's a wily GM out there in Seattle. He loves to make deals. He loves to move guys around. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what Mitch Hanniger would cost you. But I, I find it interesting, Mike, that if you're willing to play at the level of Castellanos and Garrett, then I think, and I don't mean to speak for you, but if you're up there on that level, then you're willing to trade a guy like Garrett Crochet, I think. Is that right? You know, if you could get Castellanos for four, if somehow you could package the relief pitcher they got in there with them, I mean, yeah, crochet and prospects. Yeah, it's gonna take. It's gonna take more than that. You know, Nick Castellanos is an elite bat. He's got black ink all over his Baseball Reference page. Like, the I think the conversation for that kind of guy starts at crochet, and and probably involves another name that everybody likes and the White Sox are using. Uh, right now to go ahead and win the division. Mike, appreciate the phone comment. Yeah, thank you. You guys stay well. You got it. And I listen, I, I get it. I, I think I think having expectations well, let's put it to you this way. Let me rewind that a sec. Rickon said at the beginning of the season and so did just about every other member of the White Sox the expectation is to go win a World Series. Done deal. Awesome. Love there's there is nothing better as a baseball fan, than for your GM and the whole damn clubhouse to say, we want to go win a World Series this year. That is the best. In order to do that, you got to take a couple shots to the chin. You got to sacrifice some future for some present. You got to go win ballgames. And it takes big time players to win ballgames. The White Sox have had a couple of big time players go down to injuries, they have had phenomenal contributions from not only guys who are, you know, quote-unquote role players, guys like Billy Hamilton, guys like Danny Mendick, guys like Andrew Vaughn. You know how much, 
you know how much it ought to be talked about, and it just doesn't get talked about, and the credit goes to Andrew Vaughn, that he's just turned into a left fielder? That's insane. That kid has provided so much value and reinvigorated the versatility of this defense and offense by sheer fact of being able to walk out to left field. I shouldn't say walk out because he's worked his butt off to be good out there. But to walk out to left field and be a guy out there. I mean, what's he misplayed? Three baseballs all season? Maybe? He's thrown to the wrong base maybe once? Andrew Vaughn being able to play left field the way he has is a huge reason the White Sox are in first. And I'm just talking about defense. I think Vaughn will have stretches where he gets hot. I think he'll always hit that down and away fastball out to right field for authority. I think that's his, you know, that's kind of that, that you, you saw Vaughn do that in college and thought, well, if he does, I mean, that's a thing. You got to have supreme pop in order to do that. And that's the way he got drafted third overall. That's why all the prospect sites had him as one of the best natural hitters in the draft, all that kind of stuff. But the fact that he can play left field the way he has is a huge reason the White Sox are in first place. We'll hit the break. We'll take a couple of phone calls when we get back. Chris Getz, White Sox assistant general manager and, and director of player development, is going to join us at 145. Ask Len makes its triumphant return to White Sox Weekly when we come back. And you should grab your friends and head to the park for Bleachers, Brews, Bleachers and Brews, presented by Budweiser. Get one ticket and two beers starting at 25 bucks all season long. You must be 21 or over with a valid ID. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash brew. Ask Len and your phone calls when we come back. Chris gets at 145. It's White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. You can head to the ballpark next week, June 14th through June 16th, as your White Sox take on the Tampa Bay Rays. Single-game tickets are on sale now, plus promos are back. Secure your spot, catch all the action at home for tickets and the promo schedule. Visit WhiteSox.com. We'll get up a couple phone calls in here before we uh, talk to Chris Getz, White Sox assistant general manager and director of player development at 145. Although, what I, I'm, I've been informed that our guy, Len Casper, has filed Len Asks for the day. Now, this is a fun one. I like this. Uh, this is where we turn the tables a little bit. And instead of you asking Len or DJ or you know sometimes me a question for our game broadcast, Len asks you a question on Saturdays. So, I, I don't know what this I don't know what Len is asking. I'm going to hear this along with you for the first time right here right now and we'll get to your phone calls as well. Uh, here is Len asks. Hey everybody, for Len asks today, very simple question. Runner at second base to start every half inning in extra innings. You're the commissioner. You get to make the call for 2022. Keep it, scrap it. Send us a tweet at ESPN White Sox is our handle and I'd Totally curious to hear what people have to say. I am also curious. Len just laying it out there, too. You like it, you don't like it. Keep it or scrap it. Let's head to the phone lines, get a couple of quick ones in here before we hear from Chris Getz of the White Sox. In Who's been on the longest here? Is it, is it Brad on the south side? Brad. 
here on White Sox Weekly. What's up? Hey, man? how you doing, Connor? Love the show. Thanks, man. Um, I have a. Uh, uh, what if we bring up Jake Berger and move Yoamakata to second? He played second base before, so maybe it'd be a natural fit. Yeah, but I'll throw this out there, and I don't want the the Gordon Beckham effect where he, Gordon Beckham was moved from second to from short to second to third, yeah. and he was never the same. Yeah, but what what about that? I don't know, and also I don't know Jake Berger's defense. Uh, they haven't really talked about it. They talked about his hitting. So, but is that a, a good possibility or an option? Yeah, Brett, appreciate the phone call, man. I I don't think that's next up. First of all, Jake Berger's played about forty games of uh, you know live professional, meaningful baseball in the last three and a half, almost four years. I don't think the White Sox want to rush him, and there's no doubt that it would be rushing him at this point. And I believe I hope Jake Berger plays Major League Baseball this year. I want nothing more for the guy. He's worked his butt off to rehab he's dropped a ton of weight he is an incredibly likable guy he loves this game and i hope he plays big league ball soon but i also wouldn't move your you know potential gold glove winner and potential mvp winner look at the season he's having yohan mancata and move him over to a player he was a little uncomfortable at second base in his time um just so that you can call up a guy that hasn't played a lot of meaningful baseball hasn't gotten him and that's not to say that it's, it's not a knock on him it's just Jake Berger deserves enough time to get his own swing figured out, to get his own body figured out. He's never played at this weight before, and that matters. That matters a lot. I think he deserves his own time to figure things out. Uh, let's head, get another one in here real quick, and you can answer Len Ask's question too. Uh, do you like the runner at second base for next season or not? If you were commissioner, what would you do to change it? In Batavia, it's Dennis. What's up, Dennis? Hi. Uh, great job, always entertaining and informative. Thanks, man. Nick Solak it. from uh, Texas, Nick only Solak. because Nelly Fox is no longer around. <laughs> All right. Nelly, you know, Nelly Fox had 600 and some plate appearances, almost 700 plate appearances, and had a career-high strikeout of 18 for the year. That's true. I don't think we'll ever see that again. Uh, no, no, we will not. Solak's a local kid. Appreciate the phone call, Dennis. Solak's a local kid. He's from uh, went to Naperville North. He's got three seasons in the bigs. He's got one, a little over one year of service time. I don't know that the rain. I like Nick Solak a lot. So do a lot of other people. I, the Rangers aren't very good, but I think Nick Solak's a piece they want around for the long term. Love shooting for Solak. I love the idea. Um, and I like that it kind of embraces the idea that Rakan talked about the other day. If they do, if the White Sox do go out and get somebody that has player control for seasons to come, whether that's just next year or later, They'll figure it out. If, these, if this season's teaching you anything, it's uh, if you pitch well, you can be in first place. And depth is not a problem. Depth is always good. We'll take some more phone calls. Al, Dennis, Brian, hang on the line. We'll get to you a little later on in the show. Got to hit the break now because White Sox Assistant General Manager Chris Getz will be our next guest here on White Sox Weekly. Don't go anywhere. Really looking forward to a conversation with Chris. He's, Chris, he's a great guy to talk with. And the MLB draft is uh, it's a month away. And they're going to do a combine for the very first time. I don't know what that's going to look like exactly. And I'd love to find out. So we'll talk to Chris Getz when we come back. This is White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. Welcome. 
Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. You can bring your family of four to a White Sox game starting at $59. With a family four-pack, you'll get four tickets, four hot dogs, four drinks, and four chips to select games. For tickets, visit WhiteSox.com slash four-packs. Our guest on White Sox Weekly is Chris Getz. He joins us on the phone right now. Chris is the Assistant General Manager, Director of Player Development. He's a great guy to talk with. Appreciate your time. Chris, how are you, my man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I was just thinking during the break how much better your life has to be with minor league baseball being played this year instead of everything we had to go through last season. I mean, just start. let's start there, Chris. How much, how much better is it to have real, honest-to-goodness baseball games in the minor leagues? Yeah, it's it's been pretty uh, rewarding. Certainly not not for myself, but for the players. Uh, you know, to to be at affiliates competing, going out and playing some of them for the first time, and then personally going out making making my trips and my stops and spending time with these guys and getting a chance to really really watch them play because. You know, the, when it comes to the evaluation of these players, um, you can only do so much in, you know, in certain settings. And with the limitations last year, there certainly were some challenges. But now to go out there and, and see them play against other teams day in and day out, uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun. And, and players are already beginning to jump out and make progress. So uh, I look forward to watching watching how the rest of the year unfolds. Do you feel like you're still playing catch-up a little bit in terms of scouting and, and understanding where your own guys are at developmentally? And if, if that's the case, how are you guys going about playing that game of catch-up? Well, you, you definitely need to look look at each player with, with a, you know, a kind of an individualized lens. I mean, you've got players that we weren't able to be around last year you've got some players that we were fortunate enough to be able to get an alternate side or instructional league um you know so i think i think with those kind of three uh three options last year whether it be not around you alternate site um or you know instructional league you've got to factor those in but uh you know now that we're you know we're we're over a month in um close to six weeks you know you've you almost you want to be careful those first couple of weeks and how you're observing each guy. Um, and now they're starting to get some, some, some work under the belt, whether it be on the mound or in the box defensively, all those types of things. And really you just want to see improvement. Um, and we, we've been able to see that with some guys, some of some players got off to good starts, some, some not so good, but, but, you know, we've got, some a real good core group at each level um and each team is unique in its own way and you know there's been certainly some highlights along the way which is always enjoyable what's new to your plate this season now that you've got some some added responsibilities and and more letters uh after your name now with the assistant gm title well you know over the years you know you build relationships throughout the the organization get an understanding uh of how the operation works um going into my fifth year so um, you know, now, now it's, you know, I get a strong understanding of what's going on at the amateur level, the international side, certainly the pro level and the major league side. And, you know, I've been lucky to work with, with Kenny, Rick and Jeremy, uh, in the major league, uh, operation. And then obviously we've got player development, which is my, my main focus. So, uh, you know, I, there's nothing better to, to kind of be somewhat involved in, in all aspects of the organization, continue to grow personally and, and help out as, uh, as much as you can, um, 
you know, it's 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 a lot of work, but it's great work. It really is. And there's nothing more than nothing more rewarding than seeing some of these players make progress and graduate to the big leagues. And we've been fortunate uh, to be able to do that. And guys are having success up here as well. So uh, just got to continue to go and provide options for our major league club and and see see how things. Uh, continue to go, and, and, and hopefully we have continued success. Talk with Chris Getz, White Sox Assistant General Manager, Director of Player Development here on White Sox Weekly. Chris, I I only want to bring this up in order to talk more about Jake Berger, but I, and I don't think this will surprise you at all, but we've been talking a little bit about what White Sox fans would like to see the White Sox go out and do as they approach the trade deadline, and I, I think it's worth mentioning only, only in as much as because you know who Jake Berger is, the kind of guy he is, the kind of fan appeal he has. There have been like eight people that want Berger up to the Major League Club now so that you can move Yoan Moncada over to second base and make up for Nick Madrigal. I would imagine it is no shock to you that White Sox fans want more Jake Berger in their lives because of everything he's shown in his rehab, resilience, development. How is Jake at AAA? And I'm, I'm sure it doesn't shock you at all to know White Sox fans want the man in a big league uniform. No, I mean, you know, most White Sox fans know, know Jake's story. You know, you got a first-round pick and then quickly, unfortunately, had the, the Achilles injury. There was a re-injury. And, you know, I know Jake questioned if he was going to be able to come back. And, and you know, I think naturally we, we didn't know where things were going to go either. But it's a testament to, to Jake and his character and his work ethic and his determination to work through some of the obstacles that he was faced with. And, you know, we we got a glimpse of it last year when we were able to get him to the alternate site and get him over to Instructional League for a little bit. Um, he's got his body in tremendous shape. Um, a bit of a silver lining with the alternate site was just the repetitions we were able to get and how many at-bats he was able to collect against some pretty good arms after that layoff. Uh, and perhaps an environment that, that was fitting for a guy that hadn't played for a couple of years. And then you fast forward to... You know, this spring training, getting back in Major League camp and competing, being around our, our Major League guys, you saw the bounce in his step, um, you know, the excitement to be back. Um, and, you know, he, he it didn't come easy early on, um, but he stayed with it. There, I mean, he definitely didn't was not affected at all by perhaps some early struggles. And then, you know, towards the, the end of spring before – um, getting set out of camp, you started to you started to, to see a turn a little bit, um, and then when he was Hello. at our site again with a uh, crew that was there last year. Kind of a, uh, let's, uh, you know, Eric, let's put Chris on hold for a second. I think we've got our lines crossed here. Shoot, that's that's too bad. Um, Chris, we'll be right back with you in just a second. It sounded like we had another phone line bleeding into the conversation with Chris Getz. We were talking with Assistant General Manager Chris Getz. He's also the Director of Player Development for the White Sox. This is White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. Uh, it, it sounded for a minute like someone was trying to leave a message for Chris or that I was trying to leave a message for him and we were getting that bleed over. Very strange. We're going to get Chris back as soon as we can. I think the Jake Berger story is a real interesting one. I, I think... I think we've got Chris back. Chris, can you hear us okay? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully you guys can hear me. I, it sounds like I sounded like a robot for a little bit. So, that was, uh, that was wild. Clean that. <laughs> I, I thought we were having our, our conversation tapped. I mean, it's just it's for free on the podcast. Anybody can listen in later if they want to. It's very <laughs> weird. You were, you were saying about, let me, we'll key it up with Jake one more time here. I, I wonder with Jake Berger. Is the organization's approach, you guys have had your hands on him in a lot of different, like the training staff has been on him for years. Is he like a set it and forget it guy now? Do you want to let him alone and just play baseball? Or do you still have to check in with him knowing his, his injury history and where he's at? 
now. You know, where he, the stage that he's at now, health-wise, it's really about getting him out there and playing. And he's taken advantage of, of certainly this opportunity. You know, we challenged him, sent him to, to, to Charlotte um, with that group. But, you know, at the end of the day, we, we decided to send him there. Certainly after what we had seen here early in the year prior to breaking or putting those teams together at the affiliates, but it was with his peer group. Um, and, you know, Wes Helms has had him bat in third for the majority of the games there, and his at-bats have been excellent. He, he's very disciplined at the plate without question. You're seeing him move around defensively, left and right well, coming in, um, and then running the bases aggressively. So there, there really aren't any health reservations, you know, in, in comparison, I guess, to the past with the regular check-ins to make sure, you know, everything was, was working well. Um you know, just just by the eye test, uh, it's it's you know the, you don't even see it in his gait anymore. The way that he moves, um, you know, he he's bouncing back. It's kind of the old Jake, if not even a little better. So, um, you know, we'll just continue to get him his reps at AAA, and and hopefully he continues to pr- produce, and we can have conversations like this. And I'm sure fans are going to continue to get excited. They absolutely will. Hey, Chris, you know, if we'd been talking this time two years ago, we'd have been talking about your selections uh, in the Major League Baseball draft. We're still a month out from that as it is. What's the biggest difference for you and the rest of the White Sox front office in the draft moving back a month as it has? Also, what is the MLB draft combine going to look like? And, and who are the guys that the White Sox will send down to that combine to check out players? Well, you know, with the, with the later draft, it, it certainly uh, alters some things. But I, I think as a whole, it's been positive. It's given you a little bit more time to watch some of these players. Granted, you know, some, some seasons uh, are different depending on what part of the country you are. Some, some guys start a little bit later. Um, but, but our guys have been working their tails off. Uh, we feel like we've really uh, been able to collect a lot of information on these guys and some history now that, that, can, that can help us when it comes to selection time. And then certainly with the combine here, it's new for, for Major League Baseball. Um, you know, we're, we're sending guys from our scouting department along with um, some guys from our high performance and medical team. And really it's, it's an opportunity to get you know, front and center with these guys, spend some time with them, get to know them further, um, not as much necessarily on the baseball front, uh, but more just spend the time, get an understanding of, of what they're about. It not only helps uh, with, with the selection, but also helps as they get acclimated to our own organization just because we, we've got an understanding of the, of the character of the kid and how, how to go, go about de- developing the guy. Is this a point where you guys are starting to have, you know, kind of clouds of players for that draft at, uh, you know, in the 20s where you guys are at? Are we still a ways away from from clouds, given the fact, you know, like you said, some parts of the country have been able to play a lot of baseball. Some haven't. Yeah, I'd say it's starting to come together and organize itself. We, you know, we, we've begun our, our, our meetings regularly with our area scouts and, and work towards the draft here. We, we, we've got our eyes on a group of guys. Um, you know, we'll, we'll do a deeper dive here, and obviously the, the combine will be even more helpful there. And, you know, come draft day, I'm sure we're going to be confident, you know, with the, with the pick that we have at 22. You know, looking back at what we've done here the last couple of years, we, we, we believe in our scouting process. We believe in our scouts. Um, and, you know, I know we're going to get a good one, and I look forward to adding them to our system. Chris, really appreciate the, the, the time, the insight, the conversation. Looking forward to talking to you again in, I don't know, probably about a month and a half or so about the selections you guys have made in the draft. Very good. Thanks for having me, Connor. Have a great one. You got it. You too. Chris Getz, White Sox Assistant General Manager. 
and director of player development. I, you know, I kind of figured that that would be the focus of the combine. There is, I, I, I this is going to be Major League Baseball's inaugural draft combine, and it's really easy to just go ahead and like make the comparisons of the NFL draft, like. Like, which MLB network analyst is going to do the 40-yard dash the way Rich Eisen does the 40-yard dash? Who's going to... First of all, I hope it's Jim Tomei. Please, God, let it be Jim Tomei. That would be amazing. I want that badly. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, can you tell everything about a prospect in, in a couple of batting cage sessions in a, in a combine situation? I'm, I'm sure professional scouts can tell a lot more than I could, but if a kid has one bad cage session under bright lights with a hundred other prospects, is that really going to throw you off his case? I doubt it. You know, I don't think you changed completely your scouting profile. I, I think it's a lot more of a you know baseball term kind of touch and feel sort of thing, right? Who are you as a person? What is your name? What do you do here? You know, I, I think it's interactions uh, that sounds like it's going to be most important. Want to get back to your phone calls? Uh, we have opened season for who do you want the White Sox to go get? We are getting closer and closer to Major League Baseball's trade deadline, and we've taken some real good phone calls throughout the day. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. We all, we also have Len asks. We're going to replay that for you when we come back. Real quickly though, we're going to pause at ten seconds for station ID. Back with more White Sox Weekly in just a couple. Stay on the phones if you're there. We'll get to you in just a moment on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. 40% alcohol by volume or 80 proof. Crafted to be savored responsibly. We got White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. Just had a fun conversation with White Sox Assistant General Manager Chris Getz. He's also the Director of Player Development for the Sox. It's, you know, interesting time of year, right? I mean, not only have uh, the injury bug. I mean, it's it's not just an injury bug this year. I'm going to do a cross-cultural reference and everybody's going to hate me for it, but I'm doing it anyway. Ready for this? Ready? Okay, check it out. Major League Baseball doesn't have an injury bug this year. It's got a swarm of cicadas. Ah, I'm sorry. I did it. There's so many injuries in baseball this year. There's so many injuries all over the place. We had, you know, I I get it. It's frustrating when it's to your team and to players like Aloy and Luis Robert and Nick Madrigal. I get it. You're frustrated. But it's not just the White Sox. It's everybody. And nobody seems to really know what it is. It's just this big swarm of soft tissue hurt that has just crept up on everybody. And I don't think it's got the nutritional benefits, you know, earth speaking, uh, as the cicada swarm does. That's it. That's it. That's it. I'm done with the cicada references. We're over. See you in 17 years with those. Okay, that was the last one. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on White Sox Week. We also talked to Chris Getz about the MLB Draft Combine, which is coming up in uh, just a couple of days. And then you've got the MLB Draft this time next month, we're a month away from day two of Major League Baseball's draft that starts on July 11th. And then the trade deadline is July 30th. So we are right in the meat of it, man. This is exciting, an exciting portion of the baseball schedule. I- I've said it before on White Sox Weekly, me personally, Connor talking here, I-, I love the trade deadline. It's like, I mean, other than the playoffs, when your team's in the playoff, there's there's nothing better, obviously. 
But other than playoff baseball, the deadline is the most exciting thing for me. I absolutely love it. I, I love thinking about what teams could look like and evaluating, you know, how much future do you give up for your present? Do you go win ball games? Is this enough? Is this not enough? How much you I find it? I mean, it's half the reason I love the sport. It really is. So I wanted to kind of open the season, right? I mean, the White Sox are a darn good baseball team. They have the best rotation in baseball. I said it. They've got a bullpen that I think is getting better as you go. And I really loved last night, really loved Tony La Russa turning back to Aaron Bummer after a night that he got bad luck. And then by his own admission, and I, I loved that he pointed it out, Bummer was like, yeah, I got, I got some bad luck there, some bad breaks. And then I did not pitch well to get out of that bad luck. And that is on me. I made bad choices. So I got to get back out there and do it again. LaRusso gives him a chance in the 10th inning last night. And I thought it was a really cool couple of pitches, pitch sequences, really, that, that kind of turned things around. He threw the sinker inside, well off the plate, to Robbie Grossman, eh, three, four inches. And Grossman got it called for a strike. and He was upset with the call. So Barmer caught a break there, got Grossman out, then started flipping sliders. That's not his best pitch, but it's a good slider. And when he's got that gross little sinker thing working at 97, that slider plays up. But it was the slider that he started throwing for a lot of strikes, got out of the game on that pitch. And who knows? Maybe, you know, for some guys, relievers especially, not so much starters, but for relievers especially, sometimes you find that other pitch and you just kind of find that slot. You start working your mechanics through that, you know, for, for Bummer, it's, it's a breaking ball in this instance, but it can help you rekey a lot of things. I expect Aaron Bummer to be a big part of this White Sox team going forward. A big, big part. He'll get there. Liam Hendricks talked about that a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago on White Sox Weekly, in fact. A lot of people expect Aaron Bummer to get there. Have the phone lines one more time. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. Uh, we ask, we got two rules on the show as we're open in open season for who do you want the White Sox to go get. I would love a name. Please give me a name and a why. The why is up to you. The name was given to the player by their mother and father, so you thought that work is done. I'll figure out that, you know, contracts and years of control and all that kind of stuff. We'll do the research right here on the show together. But if you bring me a name and a why... We're going to talk about that ball player in Lakeview. It's Brian. What's up, Brian? Hey, Connor. How are you, man? Doing well. Doing well. All right. Love the show. Love Thanks, the man. show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. So here's how I look at it. I, I think we need to replace Nick Madrigal's production. He's probably out for the season. He could be. Yeah. But the, Right. But the, the bigger piece uh, would probably be the bullpen arm later that you really, really want to swing for the fences on. So I got a name that's not sexy. But it makes as Drupal Cabrera. Man, you're he, right. That be, ain't sexy. He'll be extremely cheap. He is 37 or 38 years old, making like 1.7, I think. Deal's done at the end of the year. He still gets it done, though. He can still hit. Yeah, he, can play, yeah. Yeah. he can play second, short, sure. or third. And but most of all, he gives you playoff experience. In fact, championship experience from two years ago, with the Nationals. He was a really big piece to that. Yep. Brian. So now now you have uh, all your, your big prospects for that big piece you're going to need to put your team over the top to be a championship contender for the bullpen arm. Brian, my man, I appreciate you. That is a, a well-reasoned, well-thought-out call, and I love 
that you brought up the playoff experience from Estrubal Cabrera. I think that can absolutely matter. Will it necessarily? I'm not saying the White, White, White Sox don't make the playoffs, right, and that experience won't matter. But for a lot of players, bringing that playoff experience into a clubhouse can help. Some particulars on Estrubal. Brian got it nearly all. I mean, that's a well-researched call. Nice job, Brian. Call any time. It's 175 for his dribble this year. He's with the Diamondbacks, and they're not a very good ball club. His dribble Cabrera is 35, not 37, and he can still get it done on the left side of the infield. I, you know, the Diamondbacks are a tricky one. They're not very good, but they've been in that weird. I mean, think back to the last handful of seasons, right? I mean, if you look at the roster they have now, you could just as well argue that they're just kind of running back the 2019 season, which was, you know, fairly decent for the Diamondbacks, and trying to get things done that way, took the pandemic out of things, you know, out of their evaluations, and kind of, you know, pushed things back. Cabrera's the guy that they added. He was with the, the Nationals in 2019, right? Yeah, the Nationals in 2019. So um, I, I like positional versatility, and I also like, and you know, the reason we're having these conversations in the first place is because the White Sox are one of the best teams in baseball. They have the largest division lead in baseball, they are the only, repeat, only team in their division with a positive run differential. The Cleveland Indians, who are in second place, four and a half games behind the White Sox, have a run differential of negative five. That means, in case you're new to run differential, which is totally cool, we're here for everybody here on White Sox Weekly, that means they've given up five more runs than they have scored to this point in the season. The White Sox run differential is 80. They've scored 80 more runs than they've allowed. If you're not too familiar with run differential as a measure of um, team quality, future projection, how good that team really is and how good it's going to be, 80 is solid, and it's one of the best run differentials in baseball. I think second best uh, coming into today. I'll bring up my standings page, make sure I got that right. Actually, Eric, would you mind chasing that down for me? Appreciate you, man. I think it's second best. Either way, the fact that they're at 80 and, and the Indians are second with negative five means you should salt this thing away. The White Sox have an opportunity to grab a division here over the next two months. And teams that do that, contenders that do that, add pieces. There's no harm in talking about the White Sox as a darn good ball club going out to make themselves just a little bit better. And I agree with Brian in that, for the most part, every contender adds an arm at some point in the season. And usually it's a reliever. But I do think the Sox are in a little bit of an interesting circumstance. And I think a couple teams find themselves in this same spot. They have big injuries. Injuries to foundational cornerstones. That might be a little redundant, but I'm doing it anyway. And Elo Jimenez and Luis Robert. And those guys could be coming back. Now, neither of those dudes pitch. But as they sit, they've got the best rotation in baseball. So you don't have to add what is always a really high-priced prop, high proposition right now, knock on wood, in a starter. You also have a very projectable bullpen. What I mean by that is the guys who haven't pitched all that well or have had a couple of bumps in the road, I think you can, for the most part, count on to pitch to the back of the baseball card numbers. I'm talking about a guy like Aaron Bummer, Evan Marshall to a certain extent, Cody Hoyer too. So how much do you need to go get? What are you willing to spend? I want to, real quickly here, before we hit the break, 
And we got actually the pregame show is coming up at 2.30. We got the White Sox and Tigers just around the corner. Dylan Cease and Jose Urania are the starters. I'll give you the lineups for the White Sox uh, one more time when we come back because it's a different look. Can we, Eric, I'd love to play. Rick Hahn on the pregame show just the other day and in a session with reporters talked about the soft tissue injuries in and around the league. He's going to mention Vinny in this answer. It's Vinny Duber, NBC Sports Chicago. He's who asked the question. Damn good baseball reporter. Here's White Sox general manager Rick Hahn. Just for context on the injury situation all over baseball. Here's Rick. We don't have any conclusions yet, Vinny, but it's an extremely fair question and one that, quite frankly, we're spending a lot of time on internally. Uh, you know, you do, it, it, out of fairness, it's important to note that this is, we've seen an increase of such injuries throughout the game. It's not just a White Sox problem, per se. Uh, there also is the element of, of, you know, bad luck or bad cluster luck of these things piling on top of each other. Um those may be the explanations, but quite frankly, neither of them are particularly satisfying to us internally. Um, had numerous conversations on this topic with Kenny, with Jerry, Jerry with both of us, with our sports performance people in different fields, uh, both internally and externally, to try to get to some sort of explanation. Uh, again, uh, we're not there yet in terms of a conclusion, and there are some uh, non-White Sox-related potentially potential explanations in the end. Uh, but it's it's a fair question and, and one that you know troubles all of us here and, and one that we're eager to find a solution to. Yeah, and, and hopefully that solution is something that you can onboard quickly. Uh, hopefully that solution is one that the, the, the whole of baseball is able to come up with and kind of implement. It's not fun not seeing the best players in baseball play. Mike Trout's been out for, what, three weeks, I think? And I did the math wrong. I apologize. Just to correct it, Eric got me during the during the little bit of Rakan you heard there. The White Sox are at a plus 90 run differential. The Dodgers have the best in baseball. They're at plus 100. I forgot to add in the last two days. I'm, I'm really I, – I apologize. Apologies all around. Take a couple of phone calls when we get back. Still got a little time to do that here on White Sox Weekly. Um, we've got the pregame show starting at 2.30. I'll get you a White Sox lineup, and I will give you my answer to the Len Asks question of the day. Len asked whether you want the runner on second in 2022. Straight up. You like it? You don't. Thumbs up, thumbs down. That's what we're doing when we come back. It's White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. <laughs> You're out into the ballpark. Perfect for family reunions, fundraisers, and more. Plus, it is the best way to save on single-game prices for your group. After all, White Sox games are better with a group. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com. In case you missed it, huge news earlier in the week. The White Sox are going to go to 100% capacity on June 25th. I will see all of you. All y'all at the ballpark. I cannot wait. It also means, and this is just a personal thing for me, but I feel like letting you know, because within this is a little recommendation for you. It also means that um, I get to move around the ballpark just a little bit. You know, it had been, I'm, you know, you, you go up in the booth and you stay there because uh, that's where you're supposed to be and that's the safest spot and that's how you keep everything contained. Um, but now I think I might be able to walk around a little bit, you know, pregame or even before the pregame starts which means I get to go and find the Comiskey Burger down the right field line. 
I know I've talked about this before on White Sox Weekly, and we're going to get your phone calls about who you want the White Sox to go get in just a second. But the most one of the most fun things for me in going to Guaranteed Great Field is, are the food options. And for a couple years now, the Comiskey Burger, it's got the Merck's cheese melted on the thing. It's got all of the fixins that you would put on a Chicago dog chopped up and thrown onto the, the double burger. It, man, it's so good. I haven't had one since I haven't had one since early 19 and I got it I am jonesing for this thing like it's it's I woke up in a cold sweat the other night I think I just shot out of bed and said Kamiski burger and that's I I was just I was fixated on the thing I can't wait I cannot wait to go grab one looking forward to seeing you all at the ballpark as well uh the answer my answer to Len asks for the day Len asked you, and we'll get to it uh, in the sixth inning of today's ballgame as well, whether you like or don't like the runner on second rule for 2022. If you were the commissioner, Len asked, do you want that rule in place? I had liked it. Like for 2020, I was in. I really enjoyed watching it. I thought that the extra runner put pressure on defenses. We saw a whole bunch of plays we don't usually see. Shortstops trying to cut down the runner at third. Like it was crazy. I'm good on it now. I, re- I am. I am. I'm set. I don't need to see it again in 22. I like the seven-inning doubleheaders. I've come come around on the three-batter minimum. I would love to see a pitch clock, like a really strictly enforced 15-second, 18-second pitch clock in Major League Baseball. I do not need the runner on second anymore. Uh, We are in full season now. Who do you want the White Sox to go get? They're a darn good ball club, the second-best run differential in baseball, the largest division lead in baseball. They are hurt. And contenders who have the opportunity to make themselves better often do, which is why we're talking about it here on White Sox Weekly. I've got two rules for who do you want the White Sox to go get season. Uh, I I ask that you give me a name and a why. I'll do the legwork if you need it on contract situation and, you know, what it might cost to go get them, all that kind of stuff, the fit and everything like that. You're you're welcome to do that on your own too. No problems there. Uh, But I want to, you know, take the heavy lifting on us. You need a name. And a Y, head down to the south side. It's Brendan. Brendan, you're on White Sox Weekly. What's up, my man? Hey, how you doing? Oh, um, well. I said I said Daniel Descalso at first, which, I mean, don't get me wrong, I would love to take him. Okay. But I actually meant to say Nicholas Castellanos from the Reds. You know, so. that's a very popular – Nick Castellanos has come up, I think, more times than anybody else so far on this first show. I guess – and maybe, maybe this is something we'll dive in next Saturday a little bit more in depth. It's the what do you – feel comfortable giving up because I would bet with the Reds five games out of both the NL Central uh, top spot and the wild card, you know, right there kind of in the NL, that the Reds aren't giving up quite yet. And Castellanos does have an option, but it kind of sounds like he likes being in Cincinnati. That team kind of revolves around his personality a little bit. Castellanos is a big-time guy. He's got black ink all across his baseball reference page this year that means he's a league leader in those categories it's like uh on base average slug ops i mean the the dude's a dude so are you comfortable giving up michael kopech for something like that and more are you know is is crochet garrett crochet a guy that you're willing to give up the the issue the white Sox have in terms of you know what can you offer because it takes something to get something is that all their premier talent most of it anyway providing wins on the south side right now and that's awesome i mean truly it's awesome 
it's a big part of the season. It's a big part of the reason this season had been as fun as it has. But are you willing to put that on the line? Let's head back out to the phone lines in Lyle. It's Chris. What's up, Chris? Yeah, hey, Connor. Thanks for taking my call. You got it, dude. Uh, I really would like to get Jonathan Schiff from the Tigers. Jonathan Scope, sure. Scope. Uh, he is, uh, he's been white hot. He's a, he's a White Sox killer. Um, and what I'd love to see is, is uh, literally uh, Rick Hahn trade for him today. He starts at second base tomorrow. Um, and then if Nick Madrigal comes back, you always have the opportunity to swap him again in July, early August during the trade deadline for something else. Oh, that's so he fills a real quick need for you. He's on a free agent contract, uh, and uh, he's a well-traveled. He knows the, the uh, AL Central very well, having played for Minnesota and now for Detroit. So uh, I think he's something that uh, that just plugs a, plugs a need right now, uh, but isn't going to cost you a lot and isn't going to uh, uh, have to be uh, figured out for, for later years. Chris, appreciate the phone call, man. Um, I like the idea of moving soon on a piece that's not, you know, a piece that's scope-sized. I I like that idea because it, it does fill out that roster. The White Sox might be able to swing something like that, and I, th- I think I like it most because, you know, time is a factor here, right? And, and not so much that, like, oh, if the White Sox don't make a move tomorrow, they'll never win the division. It's not that. The White Sox aren't desperate, and they don't have to panic about this thing. But... Every day you don't make a trade, and this goes for every contender. The math stays the same. Every day you don't make a trade is a day that the guy that you're going to trade for is hitting home runs for someone that's not you. And you want that dude in your lineup. It's a little bit like the game itself, right? The most valuable, precious commodity are outs. And if that guy is providing your lineup the length that doesn't make outs, your games go on longer, you score more runs, and that matters more. Or if he's a, you know, if he's a pitcher... On the other side of the thing, he's recording outs faster, and those games go faster, and you win more ball games. I, that is a valuable thing. Really like the idea of of making a move quick so you can recombobulate yourself. I think that's the second time I've used that word on this show, and I apologize for that. But you can refigure yourself out as you get close to a, a better diagnosis, a better understanding of the time frame for Aloy Jimenez and for Luis Robert, and indeed for Nick Madrigal. We don't know for sure that he's going to miss the season. That determination is going to be made at some point next week, it sounds like. But that's in flux as well. Sox fans, it is your last chance to lock in a ticket package for the 2021 season. The best way, it is the best way to get postseason priority, flexible payment plans, and savings on single-game tickets for the biggest matchups to come. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000. You guys did an awesome job today. Thank you so much for calling. We're going to do shows like this for the next two months. Get yourselves ready. The White Sox and Tigers are coming up. Our pregame show's just around the corner. Dylan Cease and Jose Urania are the starters. You're going to want to hear what the White Sox lineup is. We'll get you that in the third segment of the pregame show. A little bit different look for the White Sox against the Tigers this afternoon. Thanks to Eric Ostrowski, Tyler Aki, and Ryan McGuire. The pregame show's on the way. It's the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network.